Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Monday. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's Monday, July 7, 2023, and this is the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Monday. We're trying to do our part to make sure that you start your Monday on an upbeat, positive. So we're just going to be cheerful about everything. Happy tone. We're going to talk in a elevated pitch and uh, how long, oh Lord. People are just like, shut it off now. <laughs> I don't want this. This is We not. should try to do thematic podcasts. Like this one could be the uh, the Christian radio VJ, DJ guy. We'll do that one. And then tomorrow we could do like the, uh, I don't know, the alternative or maybe like the superstore, the supermarket, you know, the one that's for people our age. Paging, doctor, so-and-so. No, yeah. not that one. No. If you've lost a child, by the way, speaking of lost, have you recognized now that they call them lost parents? Like if you're in an event, they're like, here's the lost parents section because we don't want to hurt the kids' feelings. <laughs> I've not seen that. Yeah. I just picture like parents over there like sucking their thumb like, Can, I, I lost my kid. I need help. Can you Someone page them to me? come get me? I haven't seen that. That's fine. Yeah. If you've, yeah. Anyways. Well, we're here to talk about Psalm 79, 80, and 81. Yesterday's launch service went out without a hitch. It man. did. It did. That yeah. whole spontaneous combustion thing, total weird stuff. But yeah. besides that, it was an amazing day. I didn't expect you to start speaking in tongues while we were leading worship either. So I that mean, was I didn't weird. realize we were a continuationist church until that happened. Yeah. Well, the, and then the, you came up and you were infected by it. Like, like Solomon like yeah. King, or uh, King Saul rather. I, I really appreciate that you kept your clothes on. Yeah. That I was, was thinking, where is he going with this one? <laughs> You <laughs> kept your clothes on. But that was a crazy day. A tons yeah. of fire. Right. Pastor Lucas was there and he yep. was speaking in tongues and rolling on the <laughs> floor. Can we just ca- give the caveat? If you're brand new and you're listening, none of that happened. None of that went we, down. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. We record before the day. Happened, we do. We so record before. So we don't know. No, we don't know. We're trusting that it's going to go off without a hitch. We're praying that it's going to go off without a hitch. And we're praying that none of the rest of that stuff happens at all. I mean, if the Lord wanted to, man, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I wish that all of you spoke in tongues and I'm glad I speak Dude, in tongues. We're more not than there yet. Will I you know. let us get through Romans before you don't jump into that stuff. I'm just, I, I, Hey, I'm a, I'm a whole Bible kind of guy. I don't read the Bible in isolation. I read it with the context of all that I know. So anyways, open your Bibles to Psalm 79 and rip off the knob. Monday, Monday, Monday. All right. <laughs> Psalm 79. <laughs> Oh, okay. Psalm 79, Psalm of Asaph. And here you have a Psalm written as Jerusalem is, is destroyed. The people are in exile. The Psalmist turns to the Lord to ask, okay, Lord, how long? And again, we've got to ask the question here. What is the timing of this? Cause this is, is this Asaph? Shoulder is this the yeah. same Asaph? We don't know other than it really seems like it's that Asaph. This is what this is describing too. Like it, it seems like it's both and. Mm-hmm. He opens up, oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance, defiled your holy temple and laid Jerusalem in ruins. Okay. When did that happen? Aside from 70 AD. Right. It didn't. <laughs> and 586. It, well, yeah. 586, 587. 605, yeah. This, this is describing the ransacking of Jerusalem by Babylon. 
This is describing the, the exile that takes place here in, in Israel. They've given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the food. And then finally, it says in verse five, how long, O Lord, are you going to be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Mm. Um, and, and I think this gives us a clear picture to at least some in Israel fully understood that what they were suffering was a result of their sin and God's wrath against them. Right. I don't think everybody probably did. I think there were some that were shaking their fist at God going, hey, where are you? What are you doing? Of course. Um, of course. But Asaph here at least is one that recognizes, okay, we deserve this. We did this. It's our sin that's being punished here. He says in verse eight as much, he says, please don't remember against us our former iniquities, lest your compassion or let your compassion come speedily upon us for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation. Notice here his motivation here for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. So here you have Asaph in a very humble posture before the Lord, praying that God would bring deliverance, that God would bring an end to their suffering, and that God would would atone for their sins, not for their comfort, not for their well-being, but for his name and his glory, because he knows that the the nations are looking at Israel as the people of God and scoffing. They've become as the the phrase in the Bible often says a byword, a curse word, Mm -hmm. um, that they've become this derogatory expression to the nations around them. Well, Hey, you don't want to turn out like Israel, right? To put it very mildly, but, and he's lamenting that he's saying, we're your people. God do this for your name so that the people fear you again, because he says in verse 13, we are the people, your sheep, the sheep of your pasture. And we're going to give thanks to you from forever, from generation to generation. We will recount your praise. This is one of the reasons why our church has the distinctive that we maintain a high view of God. Mm. Scripture has a high view of God. Scripture doesn't look at Israel, or doesn't, at least even in Asaph's writing here, doesn't portray them as being the reason why God should show mercy or steadfast love. They'll say, hey, aren't we amazing and wonderful, God? Don't And don't you want to preserve us because we're so lovable and wonderful? Scripture repeatedly and you need to see this, repeatedly puts the emphasis and the, the purpose on God's shoulders for, for your glory, God, for your honor, for your vindication. Why should the nation say, where is their God? He, Asaph's argument is not, hey, show us mercy because we deserve it. It's show us mercy so that your name isn't despised. This is why our church is, I love what we do because we focus on the fact that God did God demands our highest allegiance, even above and beyond our own personal convenience, our own agendas. God is the center of our church, specifically as revealed in and through Jesus Christ. But he's the center. He deserves that. We have a high view of God because he's literally the center of the universe. He's the reason we exist. He's the purpose that our church assembles. It's his glory and his honor. And man, your prayers would do well to mimic some of that emphasis. Make it less about your comfort, your desires, and your this or that. Let it be about God and his glory. And that's a good prayer right there. That's such an important interpretive principle for anyone as you are studying the word of God, reading the Bible, to remember that it's all about the glory of God. Everything is. And let me just give you a heads up on this. In a couple days, few days maybe, we're going to be in Romans 9. And that principle is going to be so important to hold on to, that it's all about the glory of God. Everything is. It's not about us. It's about him and his glory. That's offensive. And it has to be though, right? It has to be because that's who God is. For God to give glory to anything else or anyone else other than himself is to cease to be God and to say that that thing over there is God. That's the real God if he's giving glory to something else. Exactly. And so it's, it's, it's God being God. It's, it's God measuring up to the definition of that, which is God. And that is to be the one worthy of all glory. 
Psalm 80 is interesting because the focus shifts to the north now. The focus shifts to backwards in time and uh, and to the north. And it, this psalm laments the fall of the, the northern kingdom, which took place around 722 BC. Um, and he's talking about that. How do we know that? Well, he says, give your O shepherd of Israel who leads Joseph like a flock. Notice the, the cities named here, the regions named here, Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Those are our northern tribes that right. he's talking about here. And those are the ones that are in view here. The theme of this Psalm is the repeated refrain in verse three, verse seven, restore us. O God, let your face shine that we might be saved. Mm. He repeats that again in verse seven. And he's, it's, it's an interesting Psalm lamenting again, God was faithful to bring this vine out from Egypt as it's depicted there. You cleared the ground for it. You, you prepared everything that it would be able to send its branches out verse 11 to the sea. And you did everything that you needed to do so that we would thrive God. And yet what's happened is, is we've become as the prophets would say a wild vine an unruly vine and we rebelled against God. And so the, the prayer is turn again, verse 14, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine. You remember as we went through second Chronicles, I think it was Hezekiah that tried to recruit the Northern tribes to come down to the Passover. He was trying to, to get them, Hey, come, we want this to reunification to take place. So right. maybe that's what some of this is being born out of even mm-hmm. with Asaph here. Indeed. Yeah. Well, the, the, the symbolism of the vine, that's, that's, you kind of mentioned that already, that's found in a few places in Scripture, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, but you'll also remember that the concept of the vine is carried over into the New Testament, yep. uh, where God has talked about one who is a, you know, well, Jesus offers a parable, um, a master of a house who plants a vineyard and puts a fence around it, yada, yada. But, and I don't want to get ahead of us too much, but in the Gospel of John, Jesus says something profound. Hey, that whole vine analogy, I'm the vine, boom, boom explodes this concept into saying mic drop right no mic drop israel you were to be the vine but you failed i'm the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit so man when you see stuff like this in scripture always slow down read carefully you'd miss that otherwise you would miss the 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 connections and the symbolism jesus is the true vine and man praise god for that Psalm 81, we get to a psalm for the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was a, a commemoration of God's deliverance through the wilderness. And so the, the people would actually live in these tents. Um, and it, it takes place even still today. And uh, it's a just a, a commemoration of or remember, memory of God's faithfulness to the people. And so this took place shortly after also the, the Day of Atonement on the, mm-hmm. the calendar, about six days after the Day of Atonement. So this was a time of great joy and celebration in the nation as this is taking place. And so this is again, Asaph here, uh, just calling for worship, sing aloud to God, our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob, raise the sound, the song, the, the, the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp, blow the trumpet at the new moon. That was a key part of the, the celebration of the feast as well, the full moon on our feast day. And so this is one of those Psalms to remember like, okay, this is original context, original audience. There's a purpose for the Psalms sometimes. And this is one uh, that was all about the Feast of the Tabernacles. Tomorrow, we're going to get to one that's about the the ascending to Jerusalem, which I just think is super cool. And we'll talk about that when we get there tomorrow. But individual Psalms sometimes had individual purposes. And this is one of those. Yeah, I liked uh, verse 10. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Verse 16, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. I, I was reminded about the generosity of God. Sometimes we can, mm. as Christians, we can think about our faith as being kind of miserly and stoic and we're just, you know, bearing down, gritting our teeth and just getting it done. Man, Christianity is such a rich and pleasurable. It is It is the religion, of, to, to steal from John Piper, the, the hedonistic joy. 
Christianity is a joyful religion, and God is a joyful God. God's a generous God. God is not stingy. He's not miserly. God is generous and overflowing with good things for us. If we would only understand that he is our portion, he's the one that we can go to to be satisfied, to have true joy, and not to other things. But see this in your in chapter 81. Maybe even pray that in your time today. Mm, amen. John Piper. I, that was the first time I mentioned it. You've already mentioned it. I was looking at a longest package today that had the the sermon collection of John Piper, but I was like, eh, no, I went with a different package. It had yeah, the, those are free, like online. So uh, it I, had I, this, the Spurgeon sermons in it uh, instead. Spurge. So, yeah. Hey, Romans chapter eight, just half of it. Just half of it, verses one through eighteen. We, uh, yeah, we we waded into this. We stuck our toe in it yesterday in our, our podcast. But um, what a great verse is verse one. So good. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Memorize that. Yes. You don't have it. Yes. Yes. But I want you to follow his argument here at the beginning because it's a little bit of some strange um, syntax here in in our English language. When he says, "The, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Okay. What was that? Well, remember, what have we been talking about through most of Romans to this point? The law cannot what? justify you. Mm. The law cannot make you right with God. That's right. It, it's there to show you your sin, not to justify you. So the law can't justify me, but God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, not an inherent deficiency in the law. So it's not that there's a problem with what God commanded. Right. The problem is in our ability to measure up to that. So the law weakened by the flesh, by our flesh, could never justify us, but God justified us. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, Jesus came and lived for about how long, Pastor Rod, before going to the cross? 30 some odd years. So in, in, in that, why, why were those 30 some odd years necessary? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever thought, why didn't God just come down as a fully grown human being? Because he could have. Could have. And gone immediately to the cross and died on the cross. Substitutionary atonement, penal substitutionary atonement takes place right there. Our sins are forgiven because the the there's the sacrificial lamb. Why did it take him? What's the first 30 some odd years of his life about, right? The answer is right here in Romans chapter eight. Mm. Because, and we alluded to this earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It's the 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 character of that righteousness that's in question. That righteousness is not just the inherent righteousness of Jesus as God existing as God, right? Mm. God in his character is righteous. That's part of who he is. No, the righteousness in view in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and what's in view here at the beginning of Romans 8, is the righteousness Christ merited for us by fulfilling the demands of the law. That's yeah. how, mm. that's how he did it, right? Preach it. Point number one, if you're taking notes and I wish that you were. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he condemned sin. He condemned uh, the, the sin in the flesh there is by perfectly fulfilling the law. He did what our weak flesh couldn't do. That's why in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who have, who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. He goes on now to talk about the spirit. And I think there's a, a point of, of doctrinal clarification here. That's super important for us to, to recognize. You'll hear some teachers, some denominations out there that will say, well, you don't necessarily receive the spirit at initial conversion. We saw some of that. We talked about that a little bit in the book of Acts here. Paul makes a, a statement that I think they have a massive hurdle to overcome those that would teach that you receive the spirit sometime after salvation. Hmm. Because in Romans 8, 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, this part right here, 
Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's pretty pretty clear. Yeah. In other words, you cannot be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. That's right. So if you've heard someone tell you or preach to you, you'll receive the spirit at a later time. It's, it's false teaching. It's, it's wrong. It's false. It's, it goes directly against here. Romans eight, nine. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to to God. They do not belong to, to Jesus. As it goes on, um, he talks about now walking with the spirit towards the end of this, that, that the spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies, to the spirit who dwells in us. Uh, PR, is he talking about eternity or talking about our, our present right now, right there? See, I, I was like, you asked a good question. Verse 10, I just need to back up one second here. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, although the body, the soma is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. I'm connecting this back to chapter seven, thinking, okay. The body is dead. Sin, my sin has infected my, my being, and therefore I, I'm waiting for the redemption that Christ brings. So in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you resurrection. He'll glorify your mortal body through his spirit, which dwells in you. So I think there's a twofold implication there. Number one, the the, uh, the resurrection of your inner person, that sense of being born again, regeneration, but which is also going to be com- uh which is going to be connected to our inevitable and future physical resurrection glorification, which he's going to talk about in the second half of Romans eight. Yeah. And, and, and then yet he continues on in that next, he says, so then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We are not in bondage to the flesh, not enslaved to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live again, that progressive sanctification part that we'll get to in tomorrow's uh, podcast more thoroughly. When he moves on here, he talks about uh, the spirit of adoption, right? There's, there's one thing that I want to provide some clarification on in here um, where he says, uh, you did not receive the spirit of uh, slavery, slavery. Uh, Yeah. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if mm. children, if heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, this is the part, provided we suffer with him, okay? What in the world does that mean? Does that mean I have to, like there's the the ascetic monks out there that will flagellate themselves, they'll whip themselves, they'll beat themselves, and they'll try to in, initiate suffering because they feel like that's what this is talking I about. I sure hope not. No, it's not talking about that. I think the best way to think about this is identifying with Christ in this world is going to make you an enemy of the world that we live in. Mm. We are aliens and strangers. We are behind enemy lines, and that's going to pro- produce a life of suffering, a life of anxieties, a life of swimming upstream against the current here that's going to be difficult and he's just saying here if we're identifying with christ and we keep identifying with christ man we can have confidence that we're also going to be glorified with jesus i wonder if he's also connecting verse 13 if you live according to the flesh you're going to die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body yep you're going to live and i think that concept of putting to death the deeds of the body isn't going to be a fun one it's never enjoyable to put something to death right especially if it's your own physical desires and passions so that suffering is not only just that which we receive from the world it's that internal suffering of man i, I gotta do that i want to i need to but this is no fun i don't like giving up this sin i don't like having to train myself for godliness as paul will say later on to to his uh, protege timothy this takes effort and, and a kind of mental fortitude that many would say is uncomfortable at minimum right and I, in you may remember or recall if you've read the book of hebrews before when the writer of hebrews talks about in chapter 12 i believe the discipline of god right and that the father disciplines the son he loves sometimes there's a part of that where it's when I sin, there's discipline associated with that. Right. But part of it is what you were just describing as well. The discipline of, man, I I can't 
go out and do everything that I want to do because I have a, a standard, a higher standard that I'm, I'm seeking after. I'm putting to death the deeds of the body. And there is that struggle within there. And that should be present in the life of a believer, because if it's not there, we've got reason to question whether or not we're legitimate sons, um, right. whether or not we've received the spirit of adoption. Right. Verse 18, he ends our section for today there with this great, amazing statement for, I consider that those sufferings that we were just talking about in this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, Christian, it's so worth good. it. So good. Talk about a carrot at the end of the stick, man. Yeah. This present, I was talking to my son this morning, um, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about like, what, why would we, why would we make sacrifices in this life? Why would we choose not to pursue money, sex, or power? And I tried to point to him what, what Paul points us to in verse 18 of Romans chapter eight. This life is a blip on the radar in comparison to the long days of eternity where all of our investment, all of our suffering, all of our struggle here will have eternal better rewards. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Stay in the game. Keep fighting. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes geared toward, toward eternity and you'll make some really good decisions here in this life. For sure. And it, you know, in, in college ministry back in, in California, this came up a lot and I'm sure it probably did too in student ministry too with high school students. Just that in, in one of the, the clearest examples of this is the desire for young people in relationships to, to cross lines that they shouldn't cross physically. We'll put it that way to keep it PG with, mm -hmm. with mixed audience listening and, and younger ears. And I think as, as you're married and now listening to this, if you are married, you look back on that time that you were dating your spouse or whatever, and you think, okay, that went by so quickly. And we've had so many years together now as husband and wife, able to glorify God through that element of our relationship and right. be together in that without any of the, the shame and condemnation of, right. of, of crossing those lines too soon. And that's, that's a microcosm, right? That's, that's like a small sliver of it's what we're Costco talking sampler. about. Right. When we get to eternity and we look back on the things that we have to give up now or say no to now in light of Psalm 1611, the pleasures forevermore that are waiting for us at the right hand of God, right. we're going to say with Paul, yeah, you're right. I get it. It's light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that we're enjoying now. Man, don't make the bad trade, Christian. Don't trade the temporary for the eternal. The yep. eternal is going to be worth it. Stay yep. in the game. Yeah. I had a, a guy in college tell me, don't sacrifice on the altar of the immediate. The Don't sacrifice eternity on the altar of immediate. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that resonated, same thought. That's right. All right, y'all. Well, uh, that's the first half of Romans 8. <laughs> we got the second half of Romans 8 tomorrow, as well as some more time in the Psalms, and we hope you'll join us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.